Get him. Welcome, folks. Y'all come on in and make yourself at home. This here, well, this is the Rolling Thunder Podcast. Your home for all things Rolling Thunder. This episode of the Rolling Thunder Podcast is presented by Mossy Oak Camouflage because everything is better in Bottomland and Lucky Duck Premium Decoys, Masters of Deception. Welcome to another episode of the Rolling Thunder Podcast. What's going on, buddy? Man, we got a nose breather in the house <laughs> over here. Back that, back that mic up just yeah. a touch for me. We've got Drake Levy joining yeah. us on the podcast. Yeah, we get to talk about duck hunting today. Heck yeah. Man. <laughs> it does not feel like duck season outside, not I can promise you that. It doesn't. We, uh, on the on the Instagram, we did a post where it's like, Maybe 140 outside, but yeah. it sounds like 27 inside. Yeah, Drake was tuning some calls, and I could do with the November. It's 11 million degrees outside <laughs> right now, and it's just barely, you know, we ain't even through June yet. Yeah. Shows how bad you got it, though, if you're thinking about <laughs> ducks right now. I, I think just about everybody is. Mm. No doubt. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Good. Yeah, pretty good. Good. Here in Somerville for the week. So, What do you think about God's side of the river over here? I tell you what, it's pretty nice. <laughs> now, once I left for the golf tournament that next day, my head was very, very heavy. <laughs> it took me about four hours to get home, and it's only a two-hour drive. Yeah. <laughs> Went to three or four different restaurants. They said they're closed, and it was a bad deal. <laughs> I hear you. Well, are you, are you liking – you're kind of – I guess right now you're driving back and forth mm-hmm. a good bit. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Tennessee in general and – I mean, have you ever lived anywhere other than Arkansas? No. Stuttgart and Hazen. That's about it. Where'd you go to college? Uh, Arkansas Tech up in Russellville. Okay. Yeah. That's a little different than the Prairie. A little different, and I hated it. It's, really? Yeah, too much traffic. <laughs> too many folks? Yeah. <laughs> what What about Somerville? Is it kind of more your speed? Yeah, I mean, it's a little slower. It's a lot like Hazen. Yeah. But they got an O'Reilly's, and Hazen doesn't. Y'all got two Mexican restaurants. We only got one. That's got, high cotton. Whoa, whoa. We got a lot more than two Mexican restaurants. We've only really? got two that the Halford family eats at. Ah. But, I mean, there's there's El Ranchito, there's Cancun, there's Margaritas, there's El Mezcal, there's Street Tacos. There's, I mean, we don't want a rabbit trail on how many Mexican restaurants we have. In- <laughs> uh, we also don't have an interstate. I mean, Hazen's got that interstate traffic running through. Yeah. But we also don't have the Hurley House. So. Or Love's. That's true. And I do like Love's Coffee. I mm-hmm. mean, so it's – anyways. Well, so I guess today what we wanted to just talk about is we want to talk about you. Cool. And, you know, your early uh, hunting experiences and, you know, what life was like for you growing up in Arkansas and how did you get into duck calls and – what in the heck did you do to beat me by, you know, a point and a half in 2016? And Spence is pointing over to the – Still to hurts. The, the plaque still there. Hurts. 2016, first runner-up, cut-down classic. Uh, yeah. That hurt. Yeah. Charge it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, like, where did you grow up? 
And uh, what was some of your early duck hunting experiences like? Uh, I grew up in Stuttgart, Arkansas. I was extremely blessed being able to grow up where I was at just for the fact that come from a hunting background and everything. And dad took me, started taking me out when I was real young and I killed my first deer when I was six. Uh, following year, he took me to the swamp to go spot shoot some ducks for the first time. And he gave me a 12 gauge and <laughs> we creeped up there. Man, thousands of ducks saw I got up and they just filled the sky up. And he was like, well, pick one out, start shooting. And I pulled that thing way up and I shot. Whenever I shot, man, I went flat on my back <laughs> in the water, about knee deep water. Yeah. But, but no, it's it, fine. It was, it was pretty cool. Dad taught me a lot of stuff. Um, what a lot of people don't do nowadays is hunt with no decoys. Mm-hmm. And that's how I learned how to hunt. Um, we'd walk into Biomeda and just find, get away from people and mm-hmm. not going super early, you know, just get there plenty of time for shooting light. And mm-hmm. But late away. enough to where you knew you weren't messing somebody up. Right. Like you can tell where the other groups were. Right. You can still see their lights around yeah. and stuff like that. And yeah. We'd go in and find a blowdown right for the wind and just kick water and mm-hmm. it just worked. You Hunt know? a gap. Yeah. And dad had had these buddies that would get all these decoys and they get faded and whatnot. So they get this bright idea. Well, we're going to put UV paint on them. We're going <laughs> to make them real bright, put little sparkles in the paint and everything to make them pop. And dad just <laughs> sat there and just shook his head. It's like, mm. you look like you're out here hunting with a bunch of spinnerbaits, you know, on decoys <laughs> and whatnot. So. What kind of duck call did your daddy blow? Uh, a master call. Have you ever heard of them? Uh-huh. I don't even know. if I, I don't think they're still in business, but that's what I – so, speaking of master call, that was the first call that I ever had, and that's when I started blowing in those duck calling clinics that R&T puts on every year during the uh, festival and Thanksgiving. Explain what that is. So, Except basically... If you, if you didn't grow up in Stuttgart, you probably don't know yeah. anything about that clinic. So, basically, they, do, they have three classifications. They have beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And when I started to learn how to blow a duck call, it, it really came real, real easy to me you know and mm-hmm. i i blew through the first the uh, beginner and, and intermediate pretty quick and the next year they bumped me up into the advanced class i was like the youngest guy in the class so i was already terrified at that point you know <laughs> so <clears throat> these were classes that mr butch put on or butch who, who? And john and jim they all helped you know? okay so and is this multiple days or is it just mm, a couple hours or what's the yeah you Man, you probably go a couple times a week, probably about a month in advance, maybe of That's Thanksgiving. How, yeah, okay. Like we practice a lot. Like Butch would he? Man, he'd set up shop anywhere, cafeteria, in the old school, a shop. I mean, his old shop. You know, anywhere. How did you progress from level to level? You had to either it was either by age or if you won the previous year, you can't blow on that one again. You have to go to the next one. A contest. Mm-hmm. So they would. Have a class and then have a contest, and the winner of that contest yeah. got to advance. Real. Huh. Nice. But like you it's practice like a for duck, like a duck calling dojo over there. It's like <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and how many kids are we talking oh, about? Man, I don't know about now, but then there's quite a bit of a uh, bit of kids in it. You know, all in my buddies level. and and people from all, like all around town and stuff like that. And what it was is before they had the big stage, they had this big trailer that was just outfitted for like a calling contest, you know, mm-hmm. and they put that right in, in the middle of main street. And that's where the contest was held and, and whatnot. And he would, butch would have this big white board 
that had like a routine, like what you're supposed to do. Like you do your hell call, you do this, you do that, you do your step up, you do your feet. And he'd point to each one for each class, you know. But the advanced, he'd still point and say, this is what you got to do. But if you're good enough, I mean, you could read and you just blew the whole routine. Yeah, blew, blew the whole routine. But anyways, so the first two years I did very well in it. And here I go in the advanced class being like the youngest kid in there and ended up coming away third. And, man, I was hot. Like, I didn't want to smile for the pictures. I can remember my parents, like, trying to poke me on my side to get me to smile. I didn't want to show the trophy to my grandparents. Nothing. I was mad. And then that following year, uh, I was a little bit older, obviously, and ended up winning it. And then that's whenever things started kind of gearing more towards, all right, you're out of the kiddie pool. It's time to step up and, you know, start really trying to go for junior worlds and stuff like that. And during that whole time, I was also growing up, and sports was a big thing, and I just kind of focused more on sports and got out of it a little bit. What was your sport? Baseball and football. Okay. Yeah. What position did you play in baseball? A little bit of everything, but mainly first. Okay. Uh, high school, I DH a lot and played first and kind of bounced around. And then what about in football? Football, I was defensive end and left guard. And if okay. somebody got hurt, I – I had to swap over. I, mean, I, I knew it all. Did you go to Stuttgart High School? Mm hmm So you're a rice bird. Yep. Okay. Go what birds. is a rice bird? A red-winged blackbird. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Funny story is my grandma actually is the one who came up with the mascot that's on the really? scoreboard. Really? Yeah. Probably dang. Huh. 6'2", 220. <laughs> Number 66. Oh, 66. I was in junior high. Sophomore, Yeah. Yeah. Are you surfing old social media, or did you like? I'm just look looking. I'm just looking them up on Max or something. Max Preps. <laughs> Max Preps. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. And, it's four eight forty. Yeah. Yeah, ain't bad. You had a four eight forty time. That's pretty strong for a big boy. Yeah. Pretty strong for a little guy. I mean, that's 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 a. <laughs> yeah, led the team back solid. to back years in pancake blocks. Uh, I was really good at <laughs> offense. I just know how to throw my weight around and. <laughs> Manipulate people basically, and that's awesome. Just go be mad. Yeah. And did you go end up playing them. in college? Yeah, I played for a couple of years at Arkansas Tech in Russellville, and ended up hurting my knee, and and I never really bounced back mentally from that, and <laughs> realized this isn't really the place for me. <laughs> it's you know, not a career. Uh -uh. Yeah, and I was gonna come. I came home. I was gonna go to, or I, I did go to PCC there for a year. That's the community college there in Stuttgart, and my intentions were to go to UAM. Because they, they offered me a scholarship before I went to Tech, and they wanted me to come walk on since I wasn't going to be there anymore mm -hmm. and earn a scholarship, which was fine. And about, oh, halfway through that second semester, that spring semester, uh, John Stevens called and offered a job. So I was like, <sighs> What job did he offer you? Oh, man, I was going to be a CNC operator. Just turn up, just making, just doing wood machines basically mm -hmm. and feeding the acrylics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I got there, and the first day I seen Daniel Duke and John Stevens in the tuna room blowing duck calls. Like, man, that's what I want to do. You know, like, I want to, <laughs> I want to, that's what I want to be doing like at the end of the year basically. Like, I want to move up because screw this, it's loud, you know, it's boring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I can't talk to anybody. I'm the only one back there. <laughs> Green button, red button. Green yeah, button, red Exactly. <laughs> So, I found a duck call. I was sitting behind one of the CNC machines on top of a toolbox, and I'd blow it every 30 minutes or so. And finally, eventually, 
they come in there and they're like, no more calling. You know, get back to work, yada, yada, yada. I was like, oh, my God. What a duck call, man. We're in a duck call shop. <laughs> so then eventually I did it enough. They moved me into the packaging room. I helped package a little bit, and I'd blow every freaking call that went through there. And I remember Daniel coming in there and uh, graphing me out, saying, calls are already tuned, don't need to be blowing them, don't be throwing around like bricks, they ain't rocks, all this other stuff. You know, just give me a hard time. And, and then eventually Daniel, he went to go – take a different job managing a farm mm-hmm. uh wildlife farm there and uh, where was that over there by uh, north of clarendon i think over mm-hmm. Holly Grove or something like that mm-hmm. anyways so there's an open spot and they basically threw me in there it's a sink or swim type deal and butch wasn't too keen on someone else coming in and wanting to tune calls you know and and everything so i'd ask him for pointers and he didn't like I don't know anything. I don't know anything. You know, just, <laughs> That's just exactly not helping at all, you, you know. It, yeah. yeah, and and then so then I was just working on stuff. I had a whole box full of just miscellaneous colors that just weren't stuck, you know, just different odds and ends of different call models, different colors and stuff. And I had a whole box full, and I had them just sitting there for John to go through to basically be like, hey, I'm, I'm working here. You know, I'm trying to, you know, prove I can do this type deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we he he approved of them, you know, and we'd use some of them whenever we had special call orders mm-hmm. that matched up and everything. And then came the cut downs and the mondos and stuff. And I kind of struggled there because whenever I started to tune calls, I I didn't really know how. I was like 2013, maybe then 2012, something like that. I didn't really know much about them. I started to blow one that season, but you know, I didn't know if it was right or wrong type mm-hmm. deal. You know, I've never blew that style of call before, and I picked up, up, on, up on it real quick, and Jimbo gave me some good pointers, and then finally I got to tuning them, and I'd bring one to Jim, said, not right, bring another one to Jim, not right, and then finally, I, I remember it, it was a mallard green insert, I I tuned, just, I hit it one specific way, and took a tune, and he goes, he blows it, and he goes, partner? That's pretty I, good. I think you got it figured out. <laughs> I did not have it figured out. I, just I can got hear lucky. him saying that, though. Yeah. I think you got it figured out, partner. Yeah, but him saying that kind of, I, I think, sparked something inside me to to, to help drive me to mm-hmm. be better, basically. Yep. yep, and have the confidence that you could do it. Yeah. What was, let's talk for just a minute about what was Mr. Butch like? Man. You worked with him for, I guess, from the time you were a little kid at, yeah. in those classes through. I've when I first met Butch, I was probably five or six. I think that's when them, them – no, I was younger than that because there's a newspaper clipping that says future world champion of me blowing an old Rich and Tone – I think it's a Rich and Tone 2 product or something like that, yeah. old Buck Gardner call. Yeah. And uh, it's – I mean, I was probably four, five maybe, maybe five. I, mean, I was real little. But it's, mom's got it in a scrapbook. It's Picture uh, of you and Butch? No, it's just me. Oh. And, so – before these, well now we're kind of backtracking, before the, those little calling clinics, if you weren't old enough, they had like a little seminar with all these young kids that Pat Peacock would put on. Okay. And Butch would be there and everything and help. Who is Pat like, Peacock? Pat Peacock won the Women's I just, Worlds. I know who she is, but yeah. I want you to say it. <laughs> just <laughs> just She won Women's Worlds, is it three times? I think so. I think so. Yeah, she's a... And Chick's daughter. Yeah, she's a very strong contender for... Not even just women's, but just duck calling in general yep. in the mainstream so, world. So, historically, Chick Major is 
one of the more prominent mm-hmm. Stuttgartians. How do you say if you're from Stuttgart? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he was he. Butch learned how to build calls. Yeah. Working for Chick. Yep. And and so uh, I guess in Chick's garage, right? Mm-hmm. I mean they yeah. Um, and Butch and Patty were about the same age, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I want to say they Butch first competed using. A, a chick major yeah. call, I believe. Yeah. I don't know if he won with one or not, but there was strong connection between Butch and Chick. Right. Um, and and Pat married, um, oh, what's his name? I couldn't tell you. It's up there on that label. Uh, Cahill. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think that, or no, 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 Sophie. I'm I'm getting my history all messed up. I should have gotten the almanac out. I know that Cahill on the Chick Major label yeah. is married to one of Chick's daughters. Okay. Pat is one of Chick's daughters as well. Yeah. Didn't he have three daughters? Uh, don't give me a line. Okay. I'm not too sure. Because the Sophie Majors is the name of the contest, right? Uh, They have one, yeah. 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 I think it's like a scholarship deal. Yes. Type thing. I think that's right. So, anyways, Pat, go ahead. She did the seminar for the little kids. Yeah, so going back to it, she did the seminar of, of man, there's like a whole classroom of kids, you know, on mm-hmm. these little bleachers and everything, and the newspaper there is taking pictures and whatnot. And they just chose to do a picture of me because all the kids were, when they were blowing their duck calls, they didn't really know they were, their cheeks mm-hmm. were going out. And I was the only one, you know, had, had the right. cheeks in. Yeah, had my cheeks in doing it right because, you know, just working with Dad. And, and uh yeah, they just put it up there, and I thought it was pretty ironic. Now, I haven't won a world Main Street or anything like that, but, I mean, it's pretty cool that I have three cut-down world titles, mm-hmm. you know. So, I thought that was pretty cool. Two but, of them are cool. Yeah. One of them I'm still a little <laughs> sore about. But. <laughs> Be cooler if you had two and I had two. Yeah. But, I mean, you have three and I have one. That's good. <laughs> you ought to blow in July. I don't know. I'm still pretty butthurt. <laughs> so, uh, you went to that seminar. That's where that picture came from. What about, I mean, did your folks carry you up to the shop to work with Butch yeah. ever as a little kid? I yeah. mean, I know that was a real popular thing. Yeah, man. Oh, dude, I can remember being a kid, being so intimidated because, you know, all them guys up there, the shop from Logan Call is good. And, you got Butch there. He's just this big role model. This mm-hmm. just this big and the big, mayor, right? I yeah. mean, he was he was mayor, the mayor of Stuttgart for twenty. Baseball coach, like a youth, uh, youth center leader or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, uh, YMCA director or something. Yeah, wasn't he? He, yeah, he was or a big like public figure in the town as yeah. well as as everything else. Yeah, but uh, man, I can remember going in there and if you squawk too many times, he he gets pretty mad. And he's like. <laughs> You do it again. I'm gonna get this acrylic rod and wrap it on top of your head. Yada yada yada. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go back to the to lessons, mom. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go back. <laughs> oh man, but no, he working with him was pretty cool. Um, if you worked with him, you you downloaded words, words with friends because that's all he played. He'd go from office to office and just sit there on his phone, belly all stuck out, have it rest on his belly, just doing this number. You know, just going back and forth, playing with people all over. You know, people mm-hmm. that Facebook friends, you know, in California. I mean, just just sit there and talk about it all day long. Mm-hmm. There's 
couple times that me and Daniel got together, and he's like, we're going to mess with Bush today. I'm like, all right, what are we going to do? And he's like, go in there. He's supposed to be doing all these quack, quackhead stuff and say, well, we got to need them, we got to need them, you know, yada, yada, yada. They got to get out. And, and he's in there playing on his phone, and I go in there and says, Butch, Daniel's freaking out, man. We got to have these quack stackers. Only like six or something for orders, something like that. <laughs> well, we got to have them. Like, we got to have like, well, he can just keep on waiting. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> I hear him saying that. Oh, yeah. He was a character. I always thought it was neat how Mr. Butch was so gruff with all the other adults, mm-hmm. but he was very kind to kids and so, like, his persona with kids was so different than his persona with adults. Oh, you know, yeah. He was kind and patient with the kids and adults. It was like, you know, kick rocks. <laughs> like he, he, he didn't have the time of day yep. for most adults. I mean, yep. but if you brought a kid in there, man, I mean, he shoot. How many times did you see him pull that bottom drawer out? Oh and man. Give kids calls. Yeah. And, I mean, just, be somebody coming there with a, with an echo duck call and you know, he's not a big fan of them, you know, and, He'd see that, and he's like, they asked to get it tuned, and like, I'll do you one better, and just snaps it in half, throws it in the trash, and reaches in Georgia, and here you go. Jeez. Swear to God. Uh, yeah. That's hilarious. He get, there's snaps no telling how many half. calls he gave away, though. I mean, just, you know. Um, and what was your experience with, I think I read something the other day about, yeah. about that lanyard. Tell us that story. So that was after I won those three little – calling clinic type deals, you know, and I was trying to get ready for the junior worlds and stuff like that. And the only R and T call I had was a redneck original. <laughs> and that just, what is redneck red insert, red translucent insert with a clear barrel. Okay. So that's, that was like their color comp. I don't even know if they still do that anymore. But anyways, I went in there with that and we were kind of struggling getting the top end and stuff. And finally, I guess he had enough of it. And he said, here, take this. And he just gave me his whole lanyard, you know, had uh, his personal MVP and uh, a smoke stickered short barrel. Wow. On it. And he was like, here, take this. And I was like, well, do you want it back or anything like that? Like, I mean, I just can borrow a call on the whole lanyard. I was a kid, you know, I didn't really know. He was like, no, have it. Take off, take off with it. Dang. So, so, yeah, so now I still. Did you compete with that call? Uh, I have competed with that call, that, that MVP. Yeah. It's not quite as what some of these other people are producing nowadays, sure. you know. Yep. But it's a pretty cool call. I mean, it's got a, a the jig mark on it. has got his name on the back and everything mm-hmm. with the insert. It's it's really cool. I mean, I haven't really done much to it, you know. Um, but the only thing I've really done to that lanyard is, is add a few bands here and there. But you're hunting yeah. with that lanyard. Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's – and, uh, you know, growing up, everyone's like, man – I'll trade you something for that lanyard. I'll trade something for that lanyard. And I was like, nah. There's not a thing in the world. Yeah, no. He's like, man, why don't you give me that lanyard? He's like, nah. Like, I, there's, when I was growing up, I didn't really use it. You know, I didn't really know mm-hmm. much about it. And then it kind of clicked. You know, like, well, no, I don't I don't think I really want to get rid of this <laughs> type deal. And Yeah. Because, heck, they don't really make those styles of lanyards anymore for the most part. Hmm. Just that standard. They're, ah, two, two call, you know, nothing fancy. With the spring. Just a no. That one, that <laughs> now I did hunt with that one some this past year. That that was one they had hanging up in his uh little office there, or say office in his little tuning shack. And after the fire, it was just laying on the floor, just old mm. green, looked like one of them little oak lanyards, you know, that mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. silver springs on it. And I picked it up and I was like, well, "That's pretty cool." And I just kind of stuck it in my little office <laughs> just to hang 
that that's cool that MVP from just right there in my office, you know, and mm-hmm. and but anyways, uh, but yeah, that that lanyard that I got from him is really cool and probably end up Special. being buried with it one of these days. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's a neat story, and it and it really just kind of. It echoes with all the things I ever saw and heard from Mr. Butch. I mean, every time I was there, I felt like I witnessed him do something kind to mm-hmm. a kid yeah. that stuck with him forever. Right. Whether it was a lanyard like that or or a particular color call, he had it felt like he could always pull out a drawer and had something magic that he could <laughs> offer no, somebody. Yeah. But um, you know, it it's there's he left a big old void. You know, there's nobody like him. Um, That's true. And I, we need to, right after he passed, we did some calling classes for kids here, and we need to get back to that, like when we get the shop going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd get, love to see that. That would be so cool. It was pretty neat. We did it for six months or so. We did oh, it awesome. once a month. and it, Yeah, it was great. Um, but, you know, we didn't have enough kids to kind of divide them into classes like mm-hmm. that, and, it, and it's hard to – we didn't really have – we weren't prepared – to make right. that go, and, yeah. and we need to. We've now got the infrastructure, the manpower to kind of to make that work, and it'd be a neat thing for us to be able to give back. And something I know Mr. Butch would be proud of. And, oh yeah. Um. So, well, what was when you came back from college and and uh, started working for John at the shop? What was what was hunting like? Where where did you hunt through those years? <sighs> Uh, well, so I grew up hunting the White River Bottoms and down in Biomeda a lot. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I came back from college, you know, I hunted a lot by myself or was with a couple of buddies, you know. Uh, and at that time, I didn't have a boat, so I was walking in, no decoys. Buddies all wanted to bring – I was like, y'all can bring them. I ain't carrying them. <laughs> I don't want them type mm-hmm. deal. You know, until I got a boat, and then it was like, well, sometimes decoys – Make them a little bit quicker, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> sometimes at least. Um, but, man, I particularly stayed in that because I was living in Hazen at that point. I was around Dagmar, um, Cash, and Biomeda a lot still. Mm-hmm. And I, I still to this day, that's my places that I go to all on just in that big loop right up through there. Man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good flyway. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of the Cash River. I guess that's the whole White River alluvial plain or whatever yeah. they call it, the prairie. And back in back then, in like 2012 and 13, they still had boat races in Bomita. Oh, yeah. And then we finally got us a boat, and we thought we were big and bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we started off with a riveted, oh, it's like a, I don't know, like a 1548 or a 1648 flat nose, riveted hull, super light with a, a four-stroke 25 on it. <laughs> and motor weighed more than the whole yeah, boat. Yeah, we'd go in the lower, man. We'd get there early, get in the in amongst of them. And about 10 minutes before 4 o'clock. Back then, everyone all just pushed off and just got super congested. Yeah. all lined up to ready to go. Uh-huh. And, man, we'd get right up there in the mix of them. They'd, people would look at us and just like, boy, y'all are brave doing this. <laughs> and after a couple years of doing that, we upgraded to a, an express hole, a little bit beefier, same motor. Yep. But then we realized it wouldn't get on plane with all of us in it. <laughs> <laughs> so then we all started getting separate boats so we could all kind yeah. of take t- different people and yeah. here and stuff like that. So growing up in Arkansas County, I guess that's Arkansas yeah. County, right? Yeah. What was uh, – did you did you ever hunt out of state 
before you went to Canada to work for TJ? Um, the only place I've hunted was in the Boot Hill, Missouri. Okay. Uh, my brother's uncle, they got a, a big farm up over there around Portageville, and they used to that flyway that went through there used to be very, very strong. Mm-hmm. And it apparently, whenever we started hunting over there, some it just basically just tapered off. Birds <laughs> were kind of flying a little bit more west, mm-hmm. and they just didn't have that good flight plat, flight path anymore. And um, it wasn't that great, you know. But. So when what I was building up to there was when you went to Canada to work for TJ, what what was that like? <laughs> For a boy who saw as much yeah. stuff in Arkansas as you'd seen. Man, I've field hunted all my life, hunting in the woods all my life. Um, field, to me, field hunting's field hunting for the most part. Up there, it's a little bit easier than down in a rice field in Stuttgart. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <Yeah. Reckon? laughs> but seeing it all go down and all, you know, it, my first time seeing it, I was like, this is awesome type deal. You know, I'm dry, not wet. You know, I'm laying down, having fun. I did learn that you can't shoot your gun in one hand and hold a thermos cap full of coffee in the other because it gets all over you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, we, man, we were working all these birds on the first morning. We were just buddy hunting. And, and uh, we, I only lacked like a few more, and it was still real early. And I didn't pour me a cup of coffee. I was just letting them shoot, just kind of hanging out, just laying back watching it. And had a big old group, and I just couldn't help myself. So I just le- leaned up and grabbed my gun and tried to shoot. First shot just went everywhere. So I just <laughs> threw it and just – Followed up, you know. <laughs> That's great. But no, man, that, that was that was pretty wild. Getting to, I got there like a week before it opened up, so I got to do some scouting, got mm-hmm. familiar with everything, and and me, I don't, I don't know about y'all, I, I'm a like a map nerd mm-hmm. when it comes to mm-hmm. learning how to how to do certain things and like in the outdoor world, like try to like just learn new new ground and and try to what's the word I'm looking for? Try to do like how the Indians did, you know. I mean, they actually hunted. It's mm-hmm. not like sitting over bay or mm-hmm. anything like that. But man, I'll stay up so late at night looking at maps, looking at sloughs, like topo maps. Mm-hmm. Like turkey season, like that opened up a whole new door for me. You know, like oh, there's a saddle there. I bet there could be a bird right there. So I'd I'd make a I'd make a mark. Yeah, you know, and then I'd go look at it and t- studying it. why the critters do what they do exactly. based on the topography and right. the, yeah, yeah. That's and, that's. That's pretty cool, and Canada is one of those places where you can really see the flight lines mm-hmm. and the paths, and yeah, and there's no trees you can see for miles and yep. miles, you know. Yep. Um, so that's pretty neat. You ain't looking forward to going back, are you? I can't wait. <laughs> you said we we're going for two weeks. I want to go for a month. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna take him up there and be like, "Where is he?" Like he's gone. Yep. Yeah, we were talking about two weeks, and everybody. Drake and everybody was like, oh, let's stay longer. And I was like, guys, I really don't care what y'all do. Yeah. But after about six or seven, I do care what everybody <laughs> does. But after like six or seven days, I'm going to be like, Spence yeah. needs to go to the house. So you're, so. you're driving your truck up there. Uh-huh. At some point, it's like, you know, that's about the only way you can wrangle them. It's <sighs> controlling what wheels yeah. he goes up in. Yeah, I guess. Well, we'll, and we may get lucky on the way back in North we'll, Dakota. Yeah, we'll we'll figure that out when we get there. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> it's gonna be so good. Oh yeah. So you've been really. I mean, so so Drake's been keeping us updated on the snow report in Canada. Yeah, he's like, we're gonna have so much water, you know. And compared to last year, I think yeah. we will. Yeah, I, I definitely I, think there's gonna be more. Yeah. And then you were saying something. Was it yesterday? I don't, the day before. Yeah, I don't feel like it's. We're back to normal. Right. But yeah. I definitely think it's – I mean, last year was just 
incredible drought. Yeah. yeah. Conditions. Um, I think we'll have more young birds this year than we did last year. I do too. I think that we, it's hard to imagine that we'd have a worse hatch than we had here before last. Gosh, I hope not, but yeah. Uh, the reports that I'm seeing from whatever Delta and DU mm-hmm. is that they're saying a lot of the pothole area has got a lot more water on it. And yeah. That's positive. Man, what it was weird for me to see whenever I was traveling around scouting or even where I, I was coming home, I, I drove through a lot of DU projects mm-hmm. that were supposed to be lakes really? and stuff like that were bone dry. That was the weirdest thing is just seeing these massive, you know, you see it on the map. Mm-hmm. you're looking at it and you're like where's the lake and you're like we're in it yeah. you know it's you know that was that was wild up there this year and yeah we basically had to drive an hour to go kill birds every day mm-hmm. except for probably the last two or three weeks yeah because everything around the lodge was just all just dry, dry. Yeah. yeah i mean our, our stuff was too and it was that's the frustrating part and and we we drove past a lot of water last year that just didn't have anything on it mm-hmm and, and I think that's because of the kind of the cumulative effect of being dry is, you know, when you have a lot of water, you kind of have a lot of ducks kind of all around. But when you have no water, you think, well, if we find some water, we'll be good. But if you have no water and then you find one isolated piece of water, I mean, you know, they may not have anywhere else to be. You know? Right. Then you uh, shoot them, then they're gone. Yeah, they're gone. And uh, that, that definitely made it hard. I would welcome a year of lots of water. And, yeah. <laughs> I have I've yet to see what too much water up there is. <laughs> I, I've yet to see what too much water in Arkansas is. I feel like the years of colossal floods tend to be the pretty good the best January yeah. hunting. Yeah, you're um, right. But I I don't know. I kind of like water. <laughs> I'd like to see water early. I would too. I would too. I'm afraid we're not gonna. <laughs> it's been a while since I shot birds in in the leaves in Biomeda. Yeah, I think. 2013 was the last time I did it. There was, it was like 2017, I think we had that snow, mm-hmm. like that Wednesday before season come mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Bob Mito's full of ducks, full mm-hmm. of water. It was mm-hmm. going to be on. Snow came, they're gone by Saturday. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I forgot about that. Y'all got a snow down there that we didn't get up north. Yeah. Made for a weird opener, but what do you think about the state of hunting in Arkansas and you know, them talking about moving the season back and non-residents. What's your take on all the oh, man. all that scuttle? I think that the non-resident rule ruined some really good stuff. I could go in without that. I what think that it put people in places that they didn't know that they could hunt whenever all these maps and stuff come out, like Onyx and things like that. I think that whenever they like get put, landed. But hmm. non-residents in areas in, that, in areas non-residents that non-residents wouldn't have hunted. Correct. Like you think they would have stayed in a WMA yes. because of the forced 100%. rule they yeah. go. That's really interesting. I have that's the first time I've heard that. I've noticed it firsthand because all these places that I go to around the house, you know, like on the refuges and stuff, I didn't have to worry about any people. Mm-hmm. And they did that real or that that rule, and the next thing you know, you're driving there's trucks everywhere, people putting boats in ditches and everything. It's mm-hmm. like what is going on? Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people say similar things about increased pressure that they feel like that the that the reduction in non-resident days actually had a reverse effect and created additional pressure by encouraging concentrated uh, pressure right well yes but during the resident days i have i've been told by a lot of residents that 
there actually were more residents hunting during those days than there would have normally been hmm. prior to the rule. You know, that like it was concentrated non-resident days. Yes, those are busy. But during the resident days, the woods were just as busy, if not more, right. because a whole bunch of residents who'd sort of given up and, or quit hunting and kind of or, or hunted other places mm-hmm. thought, oh, you know, there'll be more opportunity. And so they came back to the woods, and so it kind of doubled down. Right. But I have not heard someone say what you said, which is that it – created additional pressure on a lot of the non-WMA places but that makes a lot of sense because every non-resident I know that is affected by the WMA rules has figured out another way to hunt they yep. didn't just quit hunting absolutely those days I mean yep. they're, they're still going to come out those weekends they're going to still find a place to hunt and uh, especially early when there tends to not be a lot of water I puts oh, a man. lot of pressure on those spots and Especially down south where we're at, you know. I mean, not a whole lot of water. A lot of people ain't gonna stick around. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And a lot of those refuge places we're talking about are not big. Mm-mm. They're small little yeah. blocks. There's a tons of stuff down through there where it's you know a hundred acres or you know twenty right. acres or you know they're patches and those those kind of little spots can't house more than one hunting party, you know, Mm-mm. and can't be hunted every day. No. Uh-uh. Hmm. Um, that's interesting. What what do you think about the moving the dates back later? Don't really bother me none, you know. Uh I wouldn't mind seeing it seeing it if it went into February a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Cause we got a pile of ducks at the house come February, man. Jeez. No doubt. There's a bunch of them in February. Golly. If you had to pick a thirty day stretch of duck season to hunt, what would it be? Hmm. Either the whole month of January or the last two weeks in December and whatever, I guess the first two weeks of January or something like that. Yeah, that's, that'd be my answer too. Yeah, if I had good. just 30 days, I'd probably pick the month of January. Yeah, I would love to be able to hunt ducks in Arkansas January 1st that had not been hunted in November and December. Can hmm. you imagine how they would – be staged up and thick there'd be water in place imagine white oaks oh yeah <laughs> i mean it but just everywhere you know yeah. i feel like those years where we get good water in the split i feel like those ducks get comfortable in places and oh, you can just man. stand on them for the whole season you know in those mm, spots they yeah. never really get shot out and i feel like if you if you let the ducks come to arkansas and not get shot at in the month of december It'd be stacked up he, january would be Ridiculous. Yeah, and just give us those first two weeks of February. And <laughs> I don't know that I'd want it. I mean, I, I mean, I, in an ideal world, I think it'd be awesome to, you know, hunt in Canada in October, basically deer hunt in November and, and December and, like, do Christmas with the family and not feel pressure to go duck hunting and start duck hunting in January. Mm-hmm. I think 30-day, 30, 30 I mean, yeah, I'm not pushing for 30 days because no. I do enjoy the grind of duck season, but – I I wouldn't be crying about it if we got the month of January. Yeah. <laughs> It'll Jan- never January's happen. January's birthday month, but it's always fairly good, you know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, what uh, what do you hope to accomplish here at Rolling Thunder? Oh, man. A lot of things. Uh, I'd like to create my own call, you know, get some of that going. I'd like to not necessarily my own call, but like, I want to change the game up. I want to produce a call that may not 
be something that's going to win some contest every time you blow it, but I want something that's so – you hear somebody blow and you're like, what is that? You know, <laughs> it has that – A different sound. Yeah, I want it to have that perfect D note sound to where it's just – if you hear a, a duck off in the distance a hen when she – it's a D note every single time. You know, I want something that's just – it's something that's like that and I also want to make something that – is super easy to blow for people that are hunting out layouts. Mm. You know, cut downs aren't the easiest thing whenever you're laying flat mm-hmm. on your back, you mm-hmm. know, and some duck calls aren't that great at doing it either, you know, because you got to think about it. If whenever you're laying down, you're, all your muscles in your body are completely relaxed mm-hmm. at that point. So you're having to work even more to get what you're used to doing whenever you're standing up and your core's flexing mm-hmm. certain ways, you know. Mm-hmm. When you're big like us, you know, it may not be the easiest. <laughs> you're talking about you and Rob. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just like us. <laughs> we got a little belly on us, you know. We ain't got no six packs. That's for sure. I got a lot. I got a, I got a 24 pack. I'm just missing like the, the oh case box and the, the little plastic <laughs> thingies that go around. And you got about four or five inches on them. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, I'd like to produce something that's just very user friendly, that's very ducky, that we can mm-hmm. just put out that people are going to that people are going to like, you know. Yeah. 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 What about you, you like participating in the turkey industry? <laughs> I will say this. I wouldn't be surprised if you see me in some turkey culling contests. I love there. it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're going to be a master or grand so, national. So our friend John Adams from Natural Gear yeah. sent me a text. There. He's a big podcast listener and a big fan of ours. And, uh, you know, I love John. He's a great, great guy. Um, he sent me a really interesting piece of trivia that I'm going to ask you guys oh and the podcast. Okay. Because you brought up the turkey calling mm-hmm. contest. Do you know if there's ever been a winner of Grand Nationals, the turkey calling Grand Nationals in Nashville, mm. or at NWTF, and Main Street Worlds? Mm. It's a coin flip. I feel like there is, but I don't know them. So the answer is there is. And what makes this even more impressive, he did it in the same calendar year. Dang. How old are we talking? I don't know how old he was, oh. but I would say he was under the age of 50, between 30 and 50 for sure. Like how long ago? Oh, uh, 32 years, oh, 22 wow. years ago. No, 32 years ago. That's I can't impressive. do my math. 32 years ago. Yeah, 1990. No yeah. Roy Rhodes of Memphis hmm. won Grand Nationals in the spring, and then the following fall won the World Championship Duck Calling Contest. Same calendar year. So I think this would be an interesting one thing. He ain't got a world cut now. No, no he doesn't. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. Uh. So here's here's what we need to do then. So we've got some pretty good turkey collars and some pretty good duck collars. They each don't do the other one so well. Yeah, I, I mean, that's why I brought this up. I think is, it would be really interesting to see if y'all could Josh play is in the a other real, guy's sandbox. Josh is a real grinder, <laughs> but he's not a – I don't see him getting on the stage uh-huh. in, the, in the old uh, championship no. calling contest. He, he's so competitive, though. I, I think that, you know, he could give it a bash. Yeah, he's competitive, but I, I don't – 
I don't think he's got the waterfowl passion that that it would take to kind of push that. But I, I say that to just say that I, I could see that being something that you would man you I'm, could excel at. You've got a very musical ear, yeah, and an attention to detail from mm-hmm. a contest standpoint. Um, I've taken the lashes, you know, to prove it is playing second <laughs> fiddle. Uh, so you're blowing this year, yeah, in worlds. Mm-hmm. That's, That's awesome. at the end of July. Yeah, the at, uh, at, water Death waterfowl deal uh-huh, yeah. in Little Rock. Okay. What are you kind of – where are you kind of in your preparation for that? Have you kind of really started the, the meat and potatoes of it? Or? Please say Today's stay ready. Today's the first day. I was going to say stay ready ain't got to get ready. <laughs> so it's I like, know better uh, than that. You know, so. <laughs> I typically start like a month in advance. I got you. Yeah. Do you start getting like cagey and weird and not talking to people and just yeah. like blowing a call in the dark and don't yeah. talk to me in July? Go like the week of – like I'll go and – like that Monday I'll probably be excited like – Thinking like game week type deal, you know, yeah, yeah, play yeah. this week, yada, 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 get all excited. And then like as the days progress, the nerves get a little bit bigger and bigger. And by the end of it, you're like, don't talk to me. Don't be around me. Don't, I'm in, I'm focused. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. awesome. Like whenever I go back man. to the bullpen, man, people want to talk your ear off this, that, and the other. I'm like, I'm yeah, just sitting over I'm there. And you're like, y'all leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of felt that way before tests. Whenever you're sitting out before you're about to take an exam, there's all these people in the hallway just talking to each other. Well, everybody does it different. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing about the contest scene that's interesting is you really – you see the difference in people. Some people are real loose and kind of like going out of their way to sort of be jovial with mm-hmm. everybody. And I think it's kind of part of their – how they focus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's other – with their nerves yeah. or something. And there's other guys who are just like stare at the floor, stare at the wall, like they – like don't touch me, you know. Yeah. Dogs are the same way. Retrievers are like, like, <laughs> That's like, true. Oh, yeah. oh, like don't try to feed Brooke or pet Brooke on the morning of a hunt. I mean, she's she turns into a different animal. You know, she it's, really does. She does. I mean, she's she focuses and it's like don't want to be petted during the hunt. Yeah, you, you but, touch but, them, they kind of pull away. Yeah, they flinch like <laughs> they over there. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to see how yeah. that plays out in people, but but man, I, I'm fascinated at how Josh can. We were talking about Josh how he can shape his notes mm-hmm. we were in mississippi for the first morning this past year and we had a hen walk up like five feet from us we like she <laughs> called for their pants down we just laid down in the middle of this little grass now wait a patch. minute you, <laughs> this <laughs> video is incredible too. Oh, oh, wait, hold, hold, hold. We, we've been riding drake pretty hard about his his uh relationship with young trip oh yeah so this hen caught y'all with your pants down oh not like that. Metaphorically? <laughs> Metaphorically. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Sorry, Wendell sorry. Hodges. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to throw that in there. Oh, man. Yeah. These two have a Oof. unique friendship that's been really fun. Go to take them to a restaurant. They both order the same thing. I mean, well, Trip orders for Drake. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, it, I'll yeah. have what he's having. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and gosh. we got the same birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I did not realize that. Yeah. Wow. Well, dang. That's and something. Lauren's kind of mothering Trip, and I've been around the, the two of them together enough to now oh, it's, yeah. Trip tells stories, and Lauren's like, "Okay, Trip, that's yeah. enough. That's stop yeah. talking." Yeah. Like. yeah, yeah. You drove Trip to work today. Yeah, picked him up from his house. Yeah, yeah. He didn't have any AC, so he left his truck at the shop. And it, he doesn't have AC in his truck or mm-hmm. in his house. In his truck. Oh, yeah. It's hard to imagine that, that truck is a could really smell long... worse. Oh, but man. I guarantee you, no air conditioning the last few days has made that truck oh, man. freak. About as bad as those geese I left in the back of the Venza in September for Worse. an afternoon. I've driven. Or probably about as bad as the smell that, that, of them rotten the big turkeys dumpster. that he left in, the, in RT's house. <laughs> 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 
too soon. <laughs> oh, we'll get into that one later, but that one, that was a doozy. Oh, yeah. Let's just say, don't bring uh, roommate issues onto On a pod- to the podcast board. <laughs> Inside <laughs> joke. When half of the room, when half of the roommates don't know it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Save it for the Jerry Springer show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tell oh, me about me. it. Oh, uh, anyway, me. Go back to, we have definitely. Anyways, you and, Trip, <laughs> you and Tripper in Mississippi, it's opening day, got your pants down. Yeah. So, so we were on this bird and whatnot, and uh, golly. We basically Sorry, walked. you stepped into that. I had to. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay, we're good. So we make a move on this bird. It's first thing in the morning, and he gets off the limb and goes the opposite direction on top of that ridge. So we go up, and we're calling, and we hear a hen answering back. So we're like, is she coming? Is she getting closer? And next thing you know, she starts coming closer, and there's four of us in this little green patch on top of this big, tall ridge of Mississippi. And we're like, oh, we're kind of screwed here. There's nowhere to hide. I'm like, guys, we got to get back over here. Like, y'all, come on. Like, what are y'all doing? And Trips is like, let's just lay down right here. I'm like, what? <laughs> are you kidding? If there's a gobbler with her, I, I, you think it's going to work? Four of us? <laughs> just going to lay down right, <laughs> right here? Because y'all are in that kind of tall grass. Yeah, right? it's probably. Were y'all trying to look like high. a loading deck? Like a logs? Like <laughs> yeah, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> So we end up, we all lay down, getting soaking wet. I'm at this point, I'm like, oh, what, what the heck are we doing? That we are not in a good spot. And this turkey's, this hen's calling. I'm like, is that a person? Because it sounds just like Josh's yell, like literally mm. the way it's shaped, mm-hmm. how it ends, how it's clear on the front, and just, Yow. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's something that I was like, I look over at you, like, that sounds just like Josh. <laughs> The, listen, the number of times that I have done that and I've said that exact sentence where that sounded just like Josh and Hunter, mm-hmm. where it's just like, it's unbelievable yeah. what yeah. those it's guys can do. How well they've and JR and everybody. I mean, Oof. no doubt. Yeah. Was that think, the video? You think or? you got that gear? Do what? You think you got that gear? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I want to make it. I keep saying I want to make this, I want to make that. But I, I, I've told Russ, I think after NWT, I was like, man, I want to make a turkey call that's. For me, not necessarily to sell, but I, I want to get into cutting certain shapes and figuring out why things yep. do what, what they do. Yep. Well, your air, particularly more so in turkey calls with yelpers than duck calls, mm-hmm. how your air comes out of your mouth or off your tongue, you know, affects the cut right. that you need to be you know, blowing right. more than, say, a J frame versus a cut down. Like with duck calls, I feel like your job is to train yourself to blow the call mm-hmm. more than to find a call to fit you. Right. But with turkey calls, I feel like it, you need to find the call that fits you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's it's sort oh, of absolutely. opposite. And yeah. Uh, I think like midway through the season, Josh kind of changed up his cuts a little bit on the ghost cut instead of doing the two little cuts like on the ears of the ghost. Mm-hmm. He put one in the center too, and I was like. Try one. I don't like it. I can't do it. Hmm. I couldn't key key on it. I couldn't do a lot of stuff on it. it like, what turkey call do you hunt with? Matchmaker. Okay. Yeah. You're got, a bat wing guy. Yeah. Well, I, I say that I got to where I got it finally. I guess the the latex loose enough and everything broken in good to where it would sound good for, uh, for me. But as soon as I get one like that, it's like the glue and the tape just gives out. Mm-hmm. And like, right when it starts to get good for me, it, it mm-hmm. messes up type deal. Yeah. Kind of have to take care of that tape. It it all tape is that way. Yeah, it's not in. 
unfortunately it's not intended for you to chew on it <laughs> for just keeping your six mouth to seven yeah. hours a day you know like yeah day I'm, after not, day. I'm really bad at, at at doing that or i'll just have a call like in my mouth the whole morning mm-hmm. i'm afraid i'm gonna have to move and it's like yeah i carry it in my mouth a lot but i i don't keep it i, I, kinda, I try to put it over to the side mm-hmm. or or even hold it between my teeth where it's it's able to dry out some because man right. if, you, if you leave it in your mouth i eat i mean there's no glue strong enough to to fight four hours of the acid yeah. in your saliva. I was about to I say mean, you literally have enzymes in your stu- in your mouth that break stuff down. Yeah. Yeah. People are always every now and then we get a message. And it's like, man, this glue just it's awful. The tape, you know, they'll complain about it. It's like, man, I okay, we'll give you another call, you know. But I, I mean, God literally made it so that you can put a piece of steak in your mouth. <laughs> that steak will dissolve <laughs> if it sits there long enough, and it'll start going away. <laughs> yep. I mean, I, so, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> we don't have any better glue for this tape. It just is what it is. But so you're a matchmaker guy, matchmaker okay. and the ghost cut. I mean, I can't key key on the matchmaker, but I mm-hmm. can cut and yelp and everything. But on the ghost cut, I can't. I can't cut or anything like that. Yeah. If I'm just trying to do, if I'm like walking, just trying to do bubble clucks or just little mm-hmm. whistles and stuff, I throw a ghost cut in. Just do a little small stuff while I'm walking mm-hmm. around, so mm-hmm. I'm not just super loud and. That's cool. And getting busted. I like, I, like I like the axe. I'm 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 learning a lot, but the axe has been good for me. Okay. So okay, I've enjoyed that one. Well, since we're all saying our favorites, my favorite is going to be called Janet, the Janet. <laughs> and I don't really know why we came up with that name, other than uh, in my mind, she's kind of she evokes the same. Re- Y'all watch Friends? Oh yeah, well, you know, I've seen re- it. And oh my <laughs> god. And she evokes that response out of everybody, like <laughs> the like little kinda, laugh she does. Yeah, and and it it's sort of like it has a weird put a puts a weird hoax on Chandler, but oh, it turns yeah. everybody else inside out. Yeah, that's kind of why I named it the Janet. But <laughs> it, it's it a combo pretty, pretty cut. Good. It's a new call that we're coming out with this spring. That's cool. And it it, it for whatever reason, kind of that whole get the call that fits mm-hmm. you. It it fits me really well. That's cool. And better than probably any other mouth call I've ever blown. Hmm. Nice. Janet also sounds like somebody who might make the other ladies upset, and they'd say, "Okay, Janet." Well, right, that's true. That's <laughs> definitely true. So, I think uh, if you remember from is it, Friends, is it going to be italicized on the on the? We tape? haven't got that far yet. But if you remember from Friends, <laughs> Janet. If you remember from Friends, every time Janet comes around, it does. It, it just it, it, yeah. it creates a response from everybody. Like it pisses all the other women off. Yeah. Which is and what you're trying to do. A couple of the other dudes yeah. are like kind of go the other way, which you don't want to happen with. But the it gets but, one. But Chandler just turns Keyed inside up. out. That's right. <laughs> see, he can't. Uh, next year, I want to see a video of you killing a turkey and you doing the Janet laugh. Or that, oh oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> That'd be great. Pick him up. <laughs> All right, consider it done. That might be one just for the group text. (laughs) (laughs) Consider it done. I want to hear you compete in a turkey calling contest. Yeah. (laughs) You can do it. (sighs) I think you got what it takes. That'd be cool. So, well, man, it's been fun, and uh, we got a big fall ahead, a bunch of new stuff, and uh, your fingerprints are going to be all over it. Heck, yeah. We really appreciate all your help, and, man, glad you're on the team. Appreciate it. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, well, good. Definitely a culture fit. Yeah. <laughs> no, no doubt about that. Yeah, so, no doubt. But, uh, all right. Well, thanks, Grizz. Cool. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Rolling Thunder Podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. See you on the next one.
Drake, say bye. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>